0: Welcome to the Vineyard. If you are in junior, senior high, and you would like to go to class right now, this would be the time to go. Uh, Just follow Jeff out to the fireplace room, and he will meet you there. Welcome to week two of our series, The Time is Now, based on the Old Testament book of Haggai, otherwise known as Haggai. I've heard that both are correct, so whichever you pick. uh, how many uh, got all of those notes and wrote down everything that just went through on that video? Anybody? No, I don't think anybody can write. I don't think he can write that fast. Anyway, uh, if you would like to go through that again as we're, we're spending a few weeks studying in, in the book of Haggai, uh, you can go to thebibleproject.com and... Uh, uh, look up that video, just search for Haggai and you'll find it uh, and kind of go over it again and get a feel for the book. Also, as we mentioned last week, I know several of you have started with the, uh, the reading plan in the UVersion Bible app. If you want to go through that, it it takes you, I don't know, 14, 15 days or whatever to go through uh, just these couple of chapters uh, in the book. So if you want to do that, it's very helpful, very beneficial. I've been through it uh, uh, two or three times now. So uh, that's another resource that you have for you. So let's kind of catch up where we are. Last week, we learned that after spending, you know, 50 years in exile in Babylonia, a remnant of the Jews, about 50,000 of them or so, were allowed to return to Jerusalem, and they returned with the charge they were to rebuild the city, and specifically they were to rebuild the temple. The magnificent temple that Solomon had built, I don't know, 500 years earlier or whatever, had been torn down when the city of Jerusalem was destroyed, and when the uh, the, the inhabitants, or the, the Jews, were taken into exile. Um the temple had destroyed, and it just lay in ruins, and their job was to rebuild it so they could return to the sacrificial system that they had in the Old Testament of, you know, a uh, uh, system of worship. So they, you know, they, they got there, they jumped in with great enthusiasm, they started to build, they got the foundation laid, they got the altar in place, but then they ran into some resistance, some opposition from the people, and... Uh, they stopped the work. And it's not just that they stopped the work, but here we are 18, 19 years later, something like that, and you know they still weren't continuing the work. Instead, they were focusing, instead of focusing on the Lord's house, they were focusing on building their own homes. And then the Lord raised up this prophet Haggai and says to them, consider your ways. We talked about that last week. Or as the NLT says, look what's happening to you. And he told them to get back to to putting God the priority, get back to building the house of the Lord, get back to rebuilding the temple, because that was the reason for a lot of the misfortune in their lives. They had broken a a covenant with God that they had agreed to, and and that's why the the drought came in and a lot of the misfortunes that they were going through. Uh, so Haggai comes and, you know, basically he says to them, it's, look, guys, it's time to put the Lord first. It's time to make him the priority again and, and get back to building his house. He calls them back to the Lord. And this is where we pick up this week. Uh, chapter 1, verses thir- verse 13 says, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I'm with you, says the Lord. Now I want to pause right there for a moment. Just think of what an encouragement that statement right there must have been for the people. After living for years and decades in exile, they're finally able to return to their home, and after receiving the Lord's rebuke about putting their own homes ahead of the Lord's house, the Lord comes to them and says, Guys, listen. I'm with you. I'm here. He's basically saying, I know you struggled, but I haven't given up on you. I am here. What better message could there be than to hear that the Lord is with us in the midst of our failure, in the midst of our struggle? What better message than to hear him say, guys, I'm with you in this. You're not doing this alone. The Lord is my source of strength of hope, of guidance, and provision wherever I go and whatever I do. And so I want to know that He's with me. He's with me when I'm stepping into difficult circumstances. So Haggai comes and he tells the people, he says, the Lord says, I am with you. It's a verse, and he, you know, there, there's no better thing that he could have said to them. And then we pick up in verse 14. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of she- Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua. Now, reading from the NLT, it's Jeshua. From other translations, it's Joshua. It's really, it's the same person. Two different ways to say the name. If you know anything about Hebrew at all, which I know very little, but I do know this, they don't have vowels. So we're kind of left to make up those, those vowels. So sparked the, the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, sparked the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And they began to work on the house of the Lord their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. That was the encouragement they needed. Just to hear the Lord say, look, guys, I'm with you. I'm here. I'm with you. That was the encouragement they needed. He sparked the enthusiasm of the leaders and the people. NIV says he stirred up their spirit. And they began the work again. They got to work. They got their tools together. And and they they drove down to the temple site. And they, they started working again on the Lord's house. You know, and sometimes... That's what it takes. Sometimes the Lord sends people our way like Haggai and, and uses them to stir up our spirits. Something they say, you know, it's like they use them to stir up our spirits and, and, and uh, to wake us up and to get us out of our funk that we've been in and get us moving again. I mean, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, let me correct that. If you've been breathing for any length of time, you know what it's like to get discouraged because everybody does. Every single one of us. There's times in my life when, you know, as I've been involved in ministry and, and you know, doing stuff that, that, you know, situations happen and I've gotten discouraged. Maybe things didn't go as quickly as I thought they should, or maybe a situation didn't turn out as, you know, like I thought it would. But the thing about discouragement is that it, it doesn't last. God meets us in our discouragement. You know, about I was trying to think of when I don't know the year, but it was probably around 11 or 12 years ago that I hit a major time of discouragement in my life. I mean, a major time. It, it, it was like one thing. There was one hit after another, and when you know, when I see, I one thing that, that that works for discouragement in my life is when I see someone and the enemy is hitting them over and over and over, and they break. They give in to it. Or it's just like they, they, they're just over and over. And, and I, you know, I, the enemy takes them out. There had been one thing after another during this, this season that I was going through. And, and then one final thing just really hit close to home. And I was so discouraged. But God sent some people to me. My pastor, who I hadn't talked to literally, we had lost contact for several years, called me out of the blue and said, the Lord just told me I needed to call you. And then after that, after that um, uh, like the next week, well, I was already set. I went on a pastor sabbatical, uh, not a sabbatical, a pastor Sabbath retreat and went on that. And, and God had people there speak encouragement to stir up my spirit again. And he used people in my life. He does that. See, because encouragement does not have to last. God meets us where we are. He meets us in our discouragement. He breathes life into us, and He stirs up our spirit. When we turn to Him, He breathes encouragement into us. And the thing that encourages me the most when I go through those times where I'm discouraged is knowing or being reminded that the Lord is with me. I'm not alone. That's, what, that's the, the thing that encourages me the most, to know that he has not given up on me, he has not left me, but he is with me. Honestly, one reason that I have my quiet time first thing in the morning, I know some people do it at night, some people do it in the morning, or, or lunchtime or whatever, whatever works for you is great, but one reason that I have it first thing in the morning um, um, is, is because you know, when I enter into his presence first thing in the morning, it reminds me that he's with me. In fact, this one prayer book that I've been using for a few years, it comes to this one part, you know, it tells you, it gives you an Old Testament reading, uh, you know, like from Psalms, and, and takes you through that, it's like a song of praise, and then it has a portion from the Bible, from, from the, uh, anywhere in the Bible throughout, where it's telling the story going throughout the year, and you read that, so you read the first part to kind of like, you know, God, you're wonderful, you're awesome, you know, praise God, the Psalms, and then you read the next part. And then it has something that says, now, go back. know, it, it, it says it changes a little bit every day, but it says something like, now, remind yourself that you're in God's presence. And go back and read that again slower. And I love that. Because when I go back, I, I do. I says, like, God, I know you're with me and i love that and i'm just sitting there in my chair and i'm just you know reminding myself of his presence and then i go back and read that again and look for something listen for something that he's speaking to me and that's how it starts the day my spirit is stirred to start the day doesn't guarantee that everything's going to go well doesn't guarantee that anything's going to go well but i would rather have everything go wrong and know that he's with me and i'm in his presence than have everything you know seemingly go right and and wonder God, are you even here? Because it's his presence that makes the difference. That's why we talk so much about it here, his presence. So the Lord came and stirred the spirit of the people. Their faith was renewed. Their sense of purpose returned. They got back to work. I mean, they're full of zeal. They're full of faith. A month goes by, and they stop again. You ever done that? You get all excited about something. And you're gung-ho. And pretty soon your gung-ho is gun don, gun, gone done or whatever. It's like it's gone. You're just, you're just, you're knocked out again. What happened was this. They had this religious festival. And they gathered for this religious festival. And a number of people who had seen the previous temple before the previous temple was destroyed, before they came back and saw the ruins. They had seen the previous temple and they were thinking, think of, you know, oh we're gonna rebuild this and we're gonna and, and you know they saw it they had seen it in all its glory and and thought of its magnificence and its splendor. And they started to the work on this one and they looked at the foundation and they looked at the size. They looked at what they were doing and they're asking themselves they start talking and saying, This is it. Are you kidding me? This is the the temple? You ever wonder that? You look at something, it's like, really, is this all there is? Is that it? So the Lord acknowledged what they were thinking. He says in verse 3 of chapter 2, he says, Does anyone remember this house, the temple, in its former splendor? And of course, a lot of them did. That's why they were discouraged. He says, how in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. Honestly, how often does that happen in our lives? We're all excited, start out, yeah. little time goes by and just fizzles out. Discouragement comes in. Maybe we look at something it's not what we thought it would be. You know there're a number number of reasons for it, number of reasons why we why we get discouraged. But I want to draw our attention to a couple of them this morning. The first is comparisons. Whenever we start comparing, comparing, we're, we're we're in a no-win situation. See, we you know we, we, we see this with Haggai in the temple. People were discouraged when they compared the size and the magnitude of the current structure that they were building to the size and magnitude of what had been before. The good old days, right? How many people have ever gotten discouraged looking, oh man, I remember the good old days. It's not like that anymore. And this temple didn't compare to the size or the splendor of the one before. Today it would be like going from a big, fancy, ornate cathedral to a storefront church with folding chairs. So they got discouraged and quit again. Say, God, how can you be in this? How can you be in this with, we're just sitting here in the storefront with folding chairs and 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 when we used the building that used to be there, oh, it was magnificent. So on the historical record, it was great. I tell you something. I remember back in our days in when we were in. I mean, you know, this is no cathedral by any means. You know. Uh, Got a silo out there, so it, you know, used to be a barn. (laughs) Literally. And I've met people, say, oh yeah, I remember my grandpa used to go there and and, and, you know, sell cattle or, you know, livestock, whatever. Um, but how many were here when we were in Harmony School? How can you remember that? Several of you remember that. We were meeting in gym in Harmony School and talk about heat in the summer. It would be 110 degrees inside with no air conditioning at all. We'd have these big large industrial fans blowing that would drown out anything you were trying to do. The acoustics were horrible. The folding chairs weren't padded. It didn't matter as much then cuz I was younger, but still the folding chairs weren't padded at all and and you know what church what I guarantee you no other church in town had a painting of a snake as you go up the stairs had a live boa constrictor in the nursery in an aquarium except when it got out and nobody could find it um, or a couple of large smelly iguanas in the preschool room or their first through third room i think it was i mean uh, a, a basement to the building that was referred to by anybody that had ever been down there as the dungeon i mean uh it was not the most ideal building in the world that we rented or that that, that we use now they've fixed it up a lot you go downstairs now and it looks more like a hospital hallway they've really done a nice job with it but it wasn't like that then but you know what i saw god change lives there I saw life after life after life changed. People coming in that that were far from God, and then when they left, here we are years later, and they're still serving God. They're in, either in New Jersey or or around the world, anywhere. You know, I'm thinking about you know serving God. I remember we used to have a left-handed bass player. Name was Chris. Anybody remember him? Kids called him Hercules because he was kind of built. God got to get a hold of his life, and now he's he's still he's take, he's got that same base. We gifted it with we gifted him with it when he left. And uh, he's still using it, playing in worship and just you know, serving God, is raising his kids in the church. I saw life after life after life changed in that gym. And we had people that would not come to the church because we were meeting in that gym. We had people that came in and said, this is a church? And we never saw them again. We had other people that came in and said, this is a church? Cool! And they could do that. Because their experience with the other was not necessarily all that great but they came in and said yeah I can do this and lives were changed and I had no idea where I am because I was not intending to go into all of that but when we start comparing that's where we start comparing. You know, we we can get discouraged. You know, either either we one thing one of two things happens: either we fall short in the comparison and end up getting discouraged and feeling like, well, we don't really matter and God can't really do anything, or we end up on top of the the comparison and 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 pride comes in and we start to think that we're all that. And either way, it's a lose lose. It's especially true when we with the comparison involves the purpose that God has for our lives. God has different callings for us. You are called to be you, not someone else. If he wanted you to be someone else, he would have made you someone else. So it's time we stop looking at other people and stop comparing our lives to somebody else's life and, to what's, and comparing what's happening in their life to what's happening in ours and you know, what, what they have to what we have, what they're doing to what we're doing. God has called you. God has called me. Our callings are different. And God will give each one of us everything we need to do and to fulfill what He has given us to do. He's not going to give me what He has called, uh, what, 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 what I would need to do what you are called to do. He's not going to give you what you would need to do what I'm called to do. Do I get that straight? Sort of. <laughs> You know what I mean. Does anybody not know what I'm talking about? Okay. I was, I, my mind was getting tangled up there, you know. Second cause of discouragement is when your mind gets tangled. No, no, just kidding. Uh, lack of progress. Lack of, let's face it. We all want to see results for our efforts, right? How many people want to work for something day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and not see anything happen, right? We decide we're, we're going to lose a few pounds. We determine we're going to work out and watch what we eat. We're eating those protein shakes, and, and we're doing without all the snacks. You know, we cut out the sugar and, and all of this stuff, and, man, I'm working at it. I'm going to the gym five days a week, and, which I wish I was. But, I'm, I, you know, I'm working at it, and I'm doing all this, and, and a week or two goes by, and we get on the scales thinking, man, I feel better already. We jump on the scales. Half a pound! Are you kidding me? All that? I'm killing myself. I lost half a pound? Forget it. It's not working. We get discouraged. Or maybe we listen to a little bit of Dave Ramsey on the radio. We decide we're sick and tired of being in debt, and we say, I've had it. I'm sick and tired of being broke. I'm, I'm going to get out of debt. So you work your budget. You live on rice and beans, beans and rice, just like he says, and you work your budget, and you, you're working hard at it. You're not allowing yourself any extras in that, and you're you know, chipping away at it. Little by little, all of a sudden, your car breaks down. Or maybe you uh, uh, realize, wait a minute. This week is Thanksgiving. That means Christmas is a month away. I haven't done anything, and I've got a big family, so what do you do? You pull out the card and start racking it back up again. And at the end of the year, you look at it, and you've hardly paid anything off in the end because you just put a bunch of it back on. It's discouraging. It's discouraging. Whenever you work hard at something month after month and year after year and you don't see much progress discouragement is bound to set in and this is what happened to the people of God they worked hard for a month they were full of zeal full of you know energy and it's like yeah determination we're gonna do this thing we're gonna build this and you know that they start working on it and all of a sudden they look at what they've got it's like this is it We're not making much progress, and it's certainly, no matter how hard we try, it's never going to be what the last one was. Discouragement is universal. You're no different than anyone else who's ever lived. We all have those times, but God tells us we don't have to live there. We may sometimes find ourselves driving down Discouragement Boulevard, but we don't have to buy a house there. Yet that's what we do sometimes. Sometimes it's like our internal GPS keeps taking us back there because that's how we were programmed. Our G, We have this internal GPS and it just... It's, you know, our brain is wired a certain way, and sometimes we keep reverting back because that's what we know. You know, I get in my car to go somewhere, and something with my phone, it knows everywhere I go, you know, and sometimes I'll get in my car, and a, a thing pops up, and I, you know, maybe I'm going out to meet someone for lunch or something. The thing pops up, and it says... Uh, it'll, you know, you're, you have a seven-minute drive to get home. Well, I, I, I'm not going home, but that's where it thinks I'm going because that's often where I go for lunch or, you know, get in my car to go somewhere. And, you know, this place, you know, you have 20 minutes to get to this. I'm not going to that place. But somehow it's been programmed that, you know, often I go there so when I get in the car, it thinks it knows where I'm going. And if I followed that all the time... I would never be where I wanted to be, where I needed to be. Does that make sense? So what do we do when we're discouraged? Let's look at, at, at verse 4. He says, But now the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still in the, left in the land. And now get to work. For I'm with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember last week we told God, uh, or we, we, we said that God told the people to get back to work and to start building the temple again. Remember we said he broke it down into three simple steps go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, build the temple. That's what he said. Get back to work by going up to the mountain, bringing down the timber, and build the temple. Hard work, hard to do. But simple instructions, right? Step by step by step. Boom, boom, boom. This is what you do. Well, here he does the same thing for us. Two simple things. First, he says, Be strong. Be strong. He tells Zerubbabel, Be strong. He tells Jeshua, Be strong. He tells the people, Be strong. And then he says, Do the work. Be strong and do the work. Don't stop, keep going. The way to break discouragement is to refuse to let it dictate your actions. Keep doing what you know to do. When we get tired, we get discouraged. That's when the temptation is the greatest to drop out and quit and give up. It's during those times that the Lord says, Be strong and do the work. Don't give up. It goes against what we're feeling, but it's what we need to do. See, the king... the, the, the key the key is the next thing the lord says when he says be strong and get to work and then he says for i am with you he reminds them that he is with them that's the what that's the why and or, or that's the yeah the why and that's the how the reason he says uh, what he says is because he promises to be with us and it's his, in his presence that we find everything that we need to keep on going. He will give us the strength and he will give us the will to continue. He is everything we need. And the way that we tap into it is to stop comparing ourselves to what we, what, and what we're doing to anything else or anyone else and to stop looking at how far we have yet to go and begin to celebrate how far we've come. I mean, it's good to look at the big picture. Keep your vision in mind. Yes, this is where I'm headed. This is where I'm going. We need to do that. But, but the work gets done when we do it one bit at a time. We move that mountain one shovel at a time. We get to where we want to go by taking one step in front of it, putting one foot in front of the other, like in that whatever Christmas movie that is. What? No? What movie is it? Put one step in front of the other. Animated. Come on. If David was in here, he'd have it right away, but he's preaching at uh, Arlington United Methodist Church this morning. Just put one foot... Yeah, it's Chris Kringle and, you know, the red hair. What? Santa Claus is coming to town. Ta- oh, we can't talk about Santa Claus in church. Why not? He's sitting right back there. Okay, like we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, oh, Lord, where was I? Um <laughs> The good news is we don't have to do it in our own strength when we take that put one foot in the other and do one bit at a time we what we need to do is we lean into his presence we tap into his strength we push through the discouragement see what we need to do is we need to win the battle in our minds and determine that we're not going to give up or we're not going to give in to the enemy it's, it's, it's time that we as believers started settle, that, that we started setting the rules of engagement and tell the enemy what, that we tell the enemy what he can't do, instead of listening to him tell us what we can't do. We need to tell him, no, you are not going to do this in my life. I refuse. In Jesus' name, you need to stop. We need to tell him what, 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 what he can't do and what we are going to do rather than the other way around. It's time to take back what he's stolen from us. We already have the victory. It was won at the cross. And we need to know that in our spirit, and we need to settle that in our mind. Now, yes, there's all kinds of things that can affect our discouragement. You know, there can be physical stuff that goes on. There's emotional stuff that goes on. You know, illness, any type of illnesses. But when it comes to discouragement, it's primarily a battle that is won in the mind. We win it by standing in the authority that we know we have in Christ, by refusing to believe the lies of the enemy, and by being strong and continuing the work. One day at a time. One foot in front of the other. Keep doing what you know you're to do. Verse isn't in your outline, but write down Galatians 6.9 somewhere on your on your outline there. Galatians 6.9. Paul writes and he says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Now, why does he tell us that? Because there's not a person here that hasn't gotten tired of doing what's good. And starting to wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it all? I'm here to tell you, yes, it's worth it. Why? Because after he says, let's not get tired of of doing what is good. Then he says, at just the right time. And God knows when that time is. At just the right time, at just the right moment. We will reap. A harvest of blessing. If we don't give up, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Not might, not hope to, not probably will. We will reap a harvest of blessing. But the key is that we don't give up and don't give into the discouragement. And I've I, I've seen a number of people over the years. I I, I you know I know a pastor who who gave into it. Like right before, I felt like it was right before he was, he was, he was set up for a breakthrough, and he just gave in and quit. Got back back into ministry later, had a tremendous impact in the kingdom, but I wondered, I always wondered, what would have happened if he would have stayed and stuck it out? We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't let discouragement determine your decisions. Be strong and do the work. Simple instructions, but I know it's not always simple to do. That strength doesn't come from us, it comes from Him. Let's have the worship team come on up. While they're coming, I just wanted you to ask yourself, you know, what, what is it? Because we're each wired differently. But what's mis- more discouraging to you when you, when you start comparison, comparing and get into the comparison game? Or when you're looking at lack of progress? Things are going slower than you thought? Things aren't moving as, had, as you The book the prophet It's as one of the smaller thought. prophetic books. Okay. Maybe that's what it's like when the, the, the voice of the Lord comes through. <laughs> But what is it for you? Because we're different. I think recognizing that helps us to watch that. I want us to pray. I want to pray for everyone here because, you know, we all deal with this. So, Father, we just ask your Holy Spirit to come right now. There are some here that are discouraged. I know that because I know the situations. There are probably more here that are discouraged than I realize because we tend to hide things, keep them to ourselves a lot. When really what we need to do is bring other people into it. Because you want to use them to lift us out. Lord, we ask that you would meet those who are discouraged here this morning. Just meet them right where they're at. Meet them in their discouragement. Meet them at, at, at the place where they're stuck. Lord, as we lean into your presence, as we lean into your presence, breathe encouragement into each one. Breathe your strength into each one. Strength to continue to do what you've given us to do. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, without you, without your strength, we can do nothing. But when you breathe into us your life, your strength, your encouragement, your power, and you stir our spirits, then there is nothing that we cannot do. So Holy Spirit, come right now and encourage Your people. Comfort your people. Strengthen your people. Encourage your people. Just come.